Tonight on Huckabee, New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, syndicated columnist and author Ron Hart, Brazilian Congressman Eduardo Bolsonaro, country singer and funny man Ray Stevens. That's Trey Corley at the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. Now, the show is going to look and feel a bit different tonight because I'm operating from a hermeneutically sealed, HEPA-filtered underground vault where I'm waiting for the end of the world and recovering from COVID. That's right. After two years of dodging this little Chinese demon, I ended up testing positive. I frankly marvel that I stayed COVID-free for all this time, despite my many travels, connections to people, and being in public places. I've been careful, but never fearful. I took all the precautions, and I'm fully vaccinated and boosted, knowing that it wouldn't keep me from getting the virus, but it might keep me having symptoms that are minor and not life-threatening. My wife and I both tested positive, but we immediately started treating it aggressively and early with therapeutics and monoclonal infusions. I've experienced little more than an occasional cough. My biggest fear has been the highly reported severe brain fog that some COVID victims have reported that left them confused, forgetful, and mentally distressed. Heck, Joe Biden is confused, forgetful, and mentally distressed, and he's president. Surely I can host a talk show. Well, as it turned out, severe icing might have made travel to Nashville this week impossible anyway. So if I'm going to experience COVID, now is as good a time as any. But I have learned an important dietary secret of fighting COVID, thin crust pizza. Yep, pizza. Why? Well, it's the only thing that our friends and family can slide under the door to feed us without being exposed. And speaking of Joe Biden and brain fog, that's what he appeared to have when he reacted to Russia's invasion of Ukraine this week. After a series of convoluted and cross messages about whether Russia would cross the border and if it would be an invasion or an incursion and whether we'd be able to place serious sanctions on them that would make them reconsider, President Biden seemed unable to explain to the American public just what in the heck went wrong. One thing is certain, although you will never hear about it from the mainstream media, Vladimir Putin has only done something this daring and directly in the face of the U.S. government twice, once during the tenure of Obama and Biden, and now in the administration of Biden and Harris. All the time, the left and their soulmates in stupidity from the media were falsely accusing Donald Trump of collusion with Russia. The reality was that Putin didn't make a move toward invading anything in Trump's four years. But in 2014, while Obama was himself just looking around and taking a peek of himself in the mirror, and Joe Biden was taking a nap, Putin took the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine. And now with Trump not there to scare him and Biden, simply not there at all, Putin amasses a huge army to roll directly into Ukraine while all making a bizarre speech that claims that Ukraine isn't even a real country. I'd be like the U.S. rolling into Canada to take it over and claiming Canada isn't a real country. 
Hey, come to think of it, given how the little dictator, Castro impersonator, and serial blackface actor Justin Trudeau has destroyed the country, Canada might not be a real country anymore. But that's for another day. President Biden's first response to all of this was a rambling speech on Wednesday in which he announced some economic sanctions that didn't even scare Putin's 14-year-old house cat. He then shuffled off stage left, turning his back on the reporters and the American people who might have had some questions of the commander-in-chief. But since Joe Biden has disappeared back to the debasement and won't explain how this is going to affect America, let me make some observations as to how it will affect all of us. First, your cost to gas your car or heat or cool your house will go up dramatically. Under President Trump, we had become energy independent. We were actually exporting energy to Europe, which really hurt Russia. But on day one, Joe Biden shut down our newest pipeline, stopped energy production on federal lands, and then later said the Russians could build their pipeline to Germany, as well as to the rest of Europe. While President Biden started begging the Middle Eastern OPEC nations to drill more and sell it to us at whatever price they wanted to. Now, because Ukraine is one of the world's leading producers of grain, vegetables, and other foods, food costs are going to go up all over the world if Russia takes control. If Putin decides that no one will do anything to stop him, who's next? Poland? And since Poland is a NATO partner, and since we are committed to defending any NATO member as if it were an attack on the U.S., will we be drawn into another war? But who gets hurt the most? Well, here's who. The single mom who can barely put enough fuel in her car to get to work and get her kids to school. Or the retired senior couple whose cost of heating their home means turning down the thermostat and shivering in the cold so they can save enough money for the medicine they need to survive. And who else gets hurt? The working class family who saw any pay raises they got wiped out by the record inflation that we are experiencing under the current administration. So here we are. I'm in a bunker because of COVID, but I don't have brain fog. And then there's President Biden in his own basement bunker, who seems to have serious brain fog. So for those of you who didn't like Donald Trump's mean tweets, you got what you wanted. But do you really want what you've got? As Russian forces continue their assault on Ukraine, Americans are about to feel that pain in their wallets as energy costs are set to explode. My first guest tonight is a member of Congress. She's on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and she says President Biden should have listened to Republicans' concerns last year when the administration greenlit Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline and killed our own pipeline. Joining us now, we're happy to have her back, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Uh, Congresswoman, Ukraine under attack by Russian forces. What do you think the U.S. position should be as we are watching this uh, from the distance? Well, certainly uh, many of us in the Republican Party believe that the president did not uh, make a decisive, strong decision to implement crippling sanctions on, uh, on uh, Russia's economy. We believe that he has held out 
in terms of putting uh, sanctions on Putin himself. Uh, they should also be looking to focus on the Russian central bank, on the oil, gas, mineral mining industries. Um, and we also believe that uh, we should be looking at a swift banking system and eliminating uh, Russia from that. It was these crippling sanctions that could have made a difference had we imposed them over a month ago when I and so many of my colleagues were saying we needed to be proactive and ensure that there were deterrents put in place. It seems that this president, once again, is being reactive, unfortunately, uh, and is giving Putin that opportunity to move swiftly. Uh, I think right now there's still some uh, time to put some more crippling uh, sanctions. We need to ensure that um, we're working with our allies to do that in that region. Um, certainly, we could have also, we should have also uh, provided more lethal and, and non-lethal weapons and equipment to uh, the Ukrainian resistance forces. But I think one of the last things that we have to learn from this, and we need to learn it quick, is that we must reinstate our domestic energy production sphere independent. This is something that is so critical. If you see why Europe is so vulnerable to Russia right now, is because they rely on Russia for 40% of its natural gas. And we can't be in that position ever. And in order for us to be energy independent and be, which is of course, energy independence means national security. For us to have that, we need to repeal some of the executive orders put in place by President Biden. Uh, including the camp and reinstating the, the, the Keystone Pipeline, which would bring in so many more barrels of oil than we currently get from Russia. Uh, and of course, uh, removing those executive orders that put a ban on leasing of federal lands. We need to reignite uh, the production and exploration of this country immediately for ourselves and so our allies like Europe have an alternative to relying on Russia. I mean, we went from energy independence and being an energy exporter just a little over a year ago under President Trump, to now seeing the president beg OPEC countries, please drill more oil, we need more energy. And it's just disappointing. Into that vacuum comes Putin, who decided that, hey, I've got a great opportunity to be the supplier for Europe. Do you think that has played any or a major role in giving Putin uh, the hootspot to say, I'm going to go into Ukraine because right now Europe needs me. They need my energy and they won't want to stop me. Sure. It was the equivalent of the Green New Deal advocates in Europe that made Europe so reliant on Russia for its natural uh, gas and oil needs. And I think that is exactly what you're seeing happening here in the United States. And that is why the president did cancel the Keystone Pipeline because he was listening to some of those far left advocates. Look, I'm all for energy diversification, but we, we cannot invest in, let's say, renewable clean energy at the expense of eliminating and canceling uh, traditional energy sources. We need diversification. Uh, and so that is the thing that we're, we're lacking here. And I think it is one of the most critical issues that the United States and those politicians who have advocated for these policies in terms of, of energy, um, that they have to learn is that if we're not producing the energy, we're going to be relying on adversaries. That is why Europe is so uh, vulnerable. Also, interestingly enough, and you and I are both uh, supporters of our uh, of our friends in Israel and Greece and Cyprus, the president and his administration is also pulling back on the Eastern Mediterranean pipeline, which would also bring some energy independence uh, to Europe. And we can't understand why. He was so 
quick to green light the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, remove those sanctions that President Trump had in place, cancel our pipeline and cancel uh, the pipeline of our ally. It just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And I think that's what a lot of us are struggling with. Uh, Congresswoman, there's a lot more that we want to talk with you about. Our conversation is going to continue right after the break. So don't go away. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow AdGovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. We are back with Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis and uh, Congresswoman, thank you for joining us. There, there was a real mixed message that the White House gave out over the last couple of weeks. Vice President Kamala Harris said that uh, sanctions work. She went over to Europe to say that if Russia does anything with Ukraine, we'll put sanctions in place because that will be a deterrent. And then two days ago, three days ago, President Biden comes out and says, well, we don't think sanctions will really do that much. Which is it? Well, I think that the real crippling sanctions on Putin, on the Russia Central, Central Bank, on the energy and the mining industries, these do work. The problem is, is that they were supposed to be done a month ago, you know, because it does take, as the White House is now saying, 30 days to kick in. So to wait until after the invasion was nonsensical. We should have been proactive and worked on it um, over a month ago, as so many members of, of the House Foreign Affairs Committee had suggested and had been urging him to do. The... Uh Former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster has made the comment, he said, this is going to go on and on until Putin is met with strength. Many people have assessed it the same way, that Putin is a bully, he's a thug, he's a criminal, that the only thing he understands is a hard punch in the face. Is that a fair assessment of what it takes to get him to realize that this does not end well for him, even if he thinks he's going to uh, somehow conquer Ukraine? Well, I think one thing is for sure. I think somebody like Putin does look for strength, and certainly he is testing this current administration. The reality is, is that if President Trump were in office today, that this invasion of Ukraine would not be happening, because they knew that President Trump was someone who would take decisive action. He would have certainly implemented sanctions early on, and he wouldn't have never ever stopped our energy independence, exploration, and production here in the United States. So there is a difference in administration, sadly. And the other thing that has occurred was exactly six months ago that we lost 13 soldiers in Afghanistan due to the incompetence of this administration, the idea to close a, the, uh, the air base prior to the evacuation of civilians and our U.S. citizens. That was also another mistake. And I think that somebody like Putin understands that this administration doesn't have it all together, even from a Department of State perspective, they are so disorganized as we are trying to help American citizens and, and, and people get out of the country. The embassy just took off and left and left American citizens in a war zone once again. While all the eyes of the world are focused on Russia and Ukraine, um, the other part of the world where maybe we ought to be paying attention is China and Taiwan. Uh, there's a good possibility that the Chinese are licking their chops and thinking, 
what an opportunity. Uh, it looks like the whole free world is focused on Ukraine and they're not really stopping Putin. They certainly wouldn't have the power to stop China if, if China decided to uh, go in and try to overrun Taiwan. Uh, you're a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee of Congress. Is that a worry that you have and do your colleagues share that concern? You know, we have been warning about this since the days of Afghanistan, that the way we handled Afghanistan under this administration would embolden some of our other adversaries to act more aggressive. And that is exactly how we're seeing it being played out in Ukraine. And I do believe the way these next few days of how we handle Ukraine are pivotal and incredibly important to prevent not only a, 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 a Chinese invasion of, of Taiwan, but also to ensure that Putin doesn't look to go into some of our NATO countries, these smaller Balkan states uh, that are vulnerable, it could be very vulnerable, if, if NATO and the United States don't take important measures today. There are 200,000 Jewish people who are living in Ukraine. You and I have been to Israel uh, together, so I know you are a strong supporter of the Jewish nation. A lot of support is trying to get to those uh, Jewish people in Ukraine. Uh, there's a good chance Israel may play a role of rescue in all of this, trying to get some of those folks extricated uh, before Putin's forces move in. And yet Putin pretends that Ukraine is being run by Nazis, which I find head-scratching since Zelensky, the president, is in fact Jewish. Yeah, it, it's such dangerous rhetoric. And unfortunately, it's it's a reminiscent of what we see today in American politics, where politicians and people, if you don't agree with them, all of a sudden you're being labeled as, you know, somebody uh, uh, sympathetic to fascism or Nazism. It is, it is really dangerous rhetoric. And it also minimizes the meaning of those words, those terms, those experiences that millions of Jewish people lost their life to. And we can never, we can never, you know, mischaracterize what it means, what the Holocaust meant, what Nazism is. You know, when AOC talks about the southern border and comparing it to concentration camps, that is very dangerous rhetoric, particularly for young people today who may not be as familiar with history. We need to make sure that they're educated and understand what these terms, what these meanings mean and the people who suffered so greatly as a result of it. Speaking of dangerous rhetoric, Mitt Romney this week said something that I just don't even know how to understand. He blamed the short-sightedness, his words, of former President Trump's America First agenda for what's happening in Ukraine. Congresswoman, maybe uh, it makes more sense to you than it does to me, but I'm not sure how President Trump should be blamed for putting America first when he's president of the U.S.? And secondly, how in the world that somehow is the reason that Ukraine is being overrun by a Russian military right now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely outrageous, quite frankly. And as I said earlier, if President Trump were in office today, this would not be occurring. Um, Putin would not have taken this aggressive action. He would not have invaded Ukraine. I believe that strongly, and that is because President Trump uh, led with strength, and peace through strength, as we know, has been uh, what Republican Party believes in. Um, I, I also believe that uh, President Trump would be putting more pressure on Putin right now, not just in terms of sanctions, but by being energy independent. 
we would, could potentially be giving Europe an alternative. So they wouldn't be beholden to, to Russia and Russia would not have that leverage today. So I think putting America first, making sure that we are securing our borders, making sure that we are taking care of our energy needs domestically, not relying on foreign, uh, particularly adversaries, uh, is incredibly important. And if you look at everything that this president has done, it is what has shown the world that our leadership today is weak. Rejoining the Paris Accord without, not, without requiring China and India to have work, operate a level playing field. Re-entering WHO without demanding accountability for the, the, the um, Chinese, China unleashing this virus on the world uh, and not in, in investigating and having anyone held accountable for the actions that took place during this Af Afghan uh, withdrawal. You know, all of these things have consequences and the world is watching. And that is why uh, I believe that some of the policies and decisions put in place uh, by President Biden and, this, and the slow response to many things, the reactive response, not being proactive, has led to where we are today. Appeasement has led to where we are today. Congresswoman, thank you very much for your time and your insights. We want to say to our audience, if you'd like to learn more about Representative Nicole Maliotakis, just head over to Huckabee.tv. We have direct connections to her website and to all the ways that you can get in touch with her and follow her on social media. But right now, we've got to turn the show over to Keith Bilbrey. He's going to tell you what we have coming up next. Up next, Brazilian politician Eduardo Bolsonaro. Later, the king of comedy music, Ray Stevens, is on Huckabee. Welcome back. Joining us now, he is the most voted congressman in the history of Brazil. His father is the president of Brazil, one of the most important countries in all the Western Hemisphere. He's also been an avid Trump supporter, which means the press doesn't always treat him objectively or fairly. But it's my pleasure to have Congressman Eduardo Bolsonaro on the show. Congressman, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know you're in at uh, CPAC in Florida having a good time. But I want us to get into so many issues that are of great importance to both our countries. Uh, your country is a major energy producing country, as are we. Our president has shut down a lot of our energy production. Is that a good move that helps Brazil, opens up your markets even more? Yes, we are in a point that we are going to privatizate our main general uh main generator of electricity, which it is a public company called Eletrobras. We want to attract more investments here for Brazil. And also doing that, not only with the energy and some other areas, we are reducing the possibility of corruption because maybe sooner or later we can have other left-wing government that says that a big administration is something good. But with a big administration, with a big government, you have more possibilities for corruption. So here in Brazil, we are doing a lot of privatizations. I know that uh, the biggest story of the week has been the Russia invasion in Ukraine. 
your father, the president of Brazil, has had conversations, which we don't expect you to speak to those. You weren't there. But your father has not yet condemned the Russian invasion, has been a little reluctant to, to do so. Is there any particular reason that he would be uh, less than uh, supportive of the Ukrainian position that their country has been invaded unfairly? Mr. Huckabee, yes, you're right. I was not in this meeting between President Bolsonaro and President Putin. It was in the agenda of both presidents, this meeting. And uh, in Brazil, we have in our constitution the, an article saying that we try to find peaceful solutions for international conflicts. So this is always the position of Brazil. Obviously, obviously, I do not talk in name of President Bolsonaro, but we would like to see, you know, we, we don't like to see a war or this kind of thing happening. But in Brazil, we are in a position that we are not the one that... Uh, is supposed to go there and fix it. We are not even a member of NATO. And I saw a video of President Trump, I think it's from 2018 or 2019, talking with the General Secretary of the NATO about the, the pipe between Russia and Germany. So this is the kind of thing that would be discussed before. Nowadays, we are in a very sensitive point, And very sadly, we are looking for a war. But it shows to the world that to prevent your own security, you have, you, you must have a great armed forces. So the sad thing is because Ukraine a couple of years ago, they they supposed to to do not have any more powerful bombs or nuclear bombs. So now they can't uh, defend themselves uh, in a way that uh, they do not need help. So this is very sad. Maybe it's a message to the rest of the world that we have to take care about our armed forces. The Brazilian vice president, uh, Morao, had made some comments that were somewhat favorable to Ukraine. He was, uh, I guess the best way to put it in American terms, he was sort of uh, brushed back by your father who said he did not have the authority to make those statements. Does that signify a rift between the president and vice president in Brazil? Or is this sort of a normal thing where sometimes, as Barack Obama said of Joe Biden, he got a little over his skis? Mr. Huckab, it's not the first time that our vice president tells things that uh, go, go against the opinion of President Bolsonaro. He also said some, uh, some different things about abortion when he said that this is an issue that uh, is up to the mother. He also said that uh, it would be better if the Venezuelans, they do not have guns because other way they would face a civil war, you know, uh, trying to resist the Maduro dictatorship. So this kind of opinion of the vice president, they, he, can, he can has it. But publicly, when he talks about that, he's invading you know, the area of the president. So that's why President Bolsonaro told that it does not represent the opinion of the president. And it's not a big deal, but uh, you, you have to remark, you know, the, the, the opportunities, uh, the, the, the spaces and the territory of each one that is in the administration. Congressman, you are going to be speaking at CPAC, which is the largest gathering of conservatives in the United States. Uh, it's a place where if a person has a conservative viewpoint, that's the right place to go and, and to, uh, to express it. What's your message that you hope that you can deliver to the people of America at CPAC this weekend? 
Mr. Huckabee, I will be in a table with some friends from Venezuela, from Mexico, and from Spain, from the Vox Party. And the message that we are going to bring is that how important is CPAC for the Latin America? When you have this kind of event, it's not only about speeches. People connect themselves. People have ideas. For example, when you go around here only to talk about gun control, not that you have NRA. You have NRA. You have SUSCCA. You have some other institutes and foundations that protect you when you have to use your gun. They offer lawyers for you. When you have a bill in the Congress, they are already organizing, and you have people that go there automatically to defend their point of views. So this is why I think it's very important to bring CPEC again to Brazil and also to the whole region. This will be my message. Congressman, thanks for your time, and we certainly hope to be back in touch with you very soon. And to our audience, if you want to keep up with Congressman Eduardo uh, Bolsonaro, you can follow him on social media. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we have direct connections to the congressman's website and information. Keith Bilbrey is standing by to tell us what we have coming up next. Next, political humorist Ron Hart, plus country music hall of famer Ray Stevens. You're watching Huckabee. Next week, join Mike's guest comedian, Anita Renfro, and award-winning musician, Janae Fleeter. And welcome back. Ron Hart is a syndicated columnist in newspapers all over the country, and he's always got a lot to say about the state of the world, politics, and everyday life. He does it with his own brand of libertarian humor. He's a good friend of the show. We're happy uh, to have him here many times, and we welcome him back. Here's Ron Hart. Ron, good to have you back on the show, and I want to jump right into it because uh, Joe Biden this week has been about as incoherent as usual, but you figured out a trick that you've been talking about to understand him when he gives a speech. Help us all with that. Yeah, I think the best way to do with the speech is have them flip the teleprompter around the other way and we can read it. It's just easier on everybody that way. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. I think it might be better and we would understand more uh, because we could at least articulate the words a little more clearly. Uh, this yeah, week, it's not very coordinated. Uh, it kind of makes the Donner ex exhibition <laughs> look like a coordinated effort right now. Laurel Hardy, you know, pushing that piano up the stairs. They kind of make them look like they knew what they were doing with this administration <laughs> going about their business right now. Hillary Clinton is making noise that she may be tanned and ready, ready to come back yeah. in 2024. Do you think that's serious? Yeah, I mean, only I think that guy in Paris, you know, in that Paris jail involved with Epstein uh, killed himself. But that just tells me she may be running. She actually may be running, so. <laughs> Between her and Bill, they may be the first Baptist, first Baptist in America to run a crime family. So that's uh, an historic <laughs> first right there, Governor. <laughs> oh no, no, there's there's some others I'm aware of that have done probably every bit of that and more. So uh, <laughs> they would they would be among many along the way who have done that. Uh, you've had a lot to say about what's happened to our neighbor in the north in Canada. Uh, you've even called Justin Trudeau, I love this, the Teen Beat Magazine Prime Minister. Your assessment of what's happened in uh, Canada and with uh, the esteemed Prime Minister. 
yeah, he's worried about COVID and and all. He's, he's he doesn't understand economics very well. These truckers are at the at the border. In fact, it's very important that these truckers get to Detroit, Governor, because they got a lot of midterm election votes in those trucks. They're going to need for November, so they need to get there for the for the Democrats. But you know, he only really understands things are bad. You know, when he can't get what he needs, for example, shoe polish. I mean, he's, he's down to a very little bit of shoe polish with all the rules he's put in that country. You just put a little bit on two fingers and put it right there, and it may be perfect. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's almost like he's trying to impersonate Fidel Castro. And I'm not trying to be utterly unkind. I'm trying to be realistic. This is a guy who has acted like a tyrant. And he's even called the people who drove the trucks uh, Swatsa-waving Nazis. I, I, I'm just stunned that a prime minister would think that the working-class people of his country are, are somehow so beneath him that he could call yeah. them such a thing. No, uh, I mean, I, truckers are good people, <laughs> and I think there's there's this champagne liberalism among these uh, elites, like he, and uh, you know he, he he inherited the prime minister in business from his dad. You know he got the prime minister in business handed down to him, so he's the worst of them all. I mean, he's suspended. You know, the, the, the GoFundMe accounts, he takes people's money there. He's slashing tires on trucks. It just, it, it feels terrible. It feels very Hitler-like. And, I, and I, I'm ashamed that he's doing that. It's embarrassing to the world. It's embarrassing to him. And, and I think to Canadian people who are having a peaceful protest there. Uh, he's afraid they're going to get COVID, you know, he says, just like he got COVID, you know. And, you know, you know also, Governor, I don't know if you do this. <laughs> Queen, Queen uh, Elizabeth got COVID, too, just like you did at age 90. So, her symptoms were mild. She just coughed up twenty million. She just coughed up twenty million dollars. That's all she did. So, I wish I could cough up twenty million dollars, uh, and I hope my uh, symptoms Andrew. are uh, no worse than hers, and hers no worse than mine. Uh, we just got finished with Olympics halfway around the world, moving away from Canada. Um, ratings for people watching the Olympics all time low, down 40%. NBC took a financial bath to spend the kind of money they did to get them only to find out not many people wanted to watch. Why is that? Uh, they're boring. You know, the, the, the parade of nations. I like to watch that governor because you know, I always have to pick the countries out where we don't have troops anymore. That's always kind of fun to do. So in um, Canada it was nice. They, they try to rehabilitate their reputation. And what do you, what do you give China a country that gave the world, COVID, uh, you know, he had, he had these 12 year old kids out there, they were kind of parading around. Uh, they had a bunch of 12 year old kids. They must've had let, let two shifts off at the Nike plant to get that many 12 year olds out there, but they did it and they looked good in the world's eyes. So, <laughs> but, uh, it was good to see artistry flourish in a brutal, you know, it's good to see artistry flourish in a brutal dictator community, you know, like, like China that, that could actually happen. Can't wait to see what happens when Canada gets it. <laughs> Rob, before I let you go, i got to uh, give you an opportunity to uh, pay tribute to one of uh, your mentors and one of the funniest people that ever wrote columns. That's P.J. O'Rourke. I know you were a big fan of his. Yeah, he was a good friend, a great guy, an inspiration. Uh, I think you, you, you're kind of along the same mold. You can be conservative, but you can also have a sense of humor and laugh at things and not be a stodgy type of conservative. And he was the first one kind of the libertarian-wise that was uh, – really a mentor to me when I was in Memphis and Georgetown and, and studied his work and just liked him a lot. He became a friend, ignored my book. If you get a chance, read all his, uh, all his works. If you can, it's just, it's just solid stuff. I mean, he just, he, he just had a way of writing things that was just beautiful. And um, I, I just, he'll be, he will be missed. He will be. And uh, his death was uh, way too soon for most of us. 
Well, we want you to know that you can get all of Ron's columns in a number of newspapers. You can also get them online. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we can connect you to Ron Hart and know how to find his columns. Right now, I've got to know how to hand this whole thing over to Keith Bilbrey back in Nashville so he can tell you everything you need to know about tonight's show. After the break, country music star Stephanie Quayle fights for heart health. Plus, Grammy Award winner Ray Stevens. Stay with Huckabee. I may not be in the studio with them, but they're still the best band in America, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And what a thrill as we come back to their version of Boogie Down. Speaking of Boogie Down, the last time Stephanie Quayle was with us, she boogied down with her hit single called By Heart. Now she's using her voice to share a message that's close to her heart cardiovascular health in women during February's American Heart Month. It's a real joy to welcome back country music star, Stephanie Quayle. Stephanie, great to have you back. I wish I was there in person and I wish you were doing music, but we'll do that another time. But uh, we're great to have you back. I I just want to say last time we were talking about uh, you were traveling all over the country on a Winnebago RV uh, doing some stuff for KOA. You've got a new message tonight and it's all about the heart. Why is that important to you? Well, this was startling to me that heart disease is the number one killer in women. And I had no idea. I had, I, it was completely, you know, out of my wheelhouse until I connected with the, uh, the American Heart Association about that information. And that it's the number one killer in women. It kills more women than all cancers combined. And when I heard that, I, I had to share my voice and use my voice. That's this, the whole purpose, you know, and when you think about heart health, you think that that can't happen to me or it's, you know, it's uh, only for, you know, your grandparents. And it really can hit at any age. And there's so many young women uh, that I just want to share that message with. And women, I mean, I've been advocating for women my whole life. And uh, to be aware of it and to know the little things that you can do. And that's what's so cool about the uh, Go Red for Women movement is really just having these little things that you are aware of along the way. So you know what to look out for. And you also know how to prepare and trust your heart. You know, Stephanie, I think it's admirable that it's not because uh, you've been personally so much affected, but you look at it in a bigger sense that every 36 seconds, someone dies of heart disease in America. I got to be honest, that shocked me. I had no idea that it is still such a huge killer of Americans. And, uh, you know, I don't think most people know that. No, and I, I think that's what, that's why this is such an incredible organization and such a purposeful organization because it is raising that awareness, and we live in a time now where we can really get the message out, and uh, and that's why I just you know I I'm all about the heart, you know I'm a uh, you know I'm writing songs about the heart all the time, so this is just an extension of that, and there's such little things you can do, you know, staying active, taking that time with your family over a great meal, and learning how to control your reaction to be able to control the stress, right? There's so many things we have zero control about uh, as we've learned over the course of the you know, last few years of just so many things that we just have to manage our own reactions. And, uh, and that's a big part of this, you know, and we've really got to take care of our hearts and know your numbers. All, the, all those little things can really give you those indications of just like, okay, put yourself in check. 
You know, Stephanie, uh, everybody's talked about COVID. Obviously, it's kind of an issue to me this week, at least. But the fact is, uh, COVID has had a very negative effect on other aspects of healthcare, right. notably uh, heart disease, because people have put off their screenings. Yeah. Uh, they've ignored maybe some signals that should have alerted them that they needed to see their doctor. Uh, they were just being careful not to get COVID and not to be exposed to anyone and wearing a mask. Right. But the truth is, a lot of people are overdue for a really good checkup, aren't they? Absolutely. I've been, I've just went through this myself where I was like, I've got to go get everything checked. There's no time like the present. I know there is a lot of, you know, fears, but we really have to make our health a priority. You know, you think about it. When you're healthy, you want the world. When you're not healthy, all you want to do is be healthy again. So this is really about being proactive with your health and having control over something that you can control. And one of the things, you know, they say, trust your gut. Well, I'm about, like, trust your heart. If, if you have, you know, something in you that goes, something's just not right here, go get, go get it figured out. Go get it checked. Don't wait. What, yeah, what are some things that are kind of a telltale signal? I'm, I'm sure that that's something as you've prepared in this uh, role as a spokesperson, there are certain symptoms that a person should not ignore. Right. What are those? Well, gosh, there's there's quite a long list. In in my experience of what uh, and my family members have experienced, like any kind of uh, you know uh, heart rate that doesn't feel the same, doesn't feel right. If you're seeing like those skips and such. Now, with some of you know the stroke aspects, um, those are those are physical things. You start uh, seeing any kind of droopage in the face, in the arms. You know, you've got to really be aware of things. And if it feels off to you, then you need to recognize it and just notice that something's not right. And if your heart rate's not coming down. You know, if you're not able to get it to come back to where it needs to be, there's something else going on. You've got a uh, new music project coming up, album. Tell us about it before yes. we let you go. Because, yes. hey, I know that that's close to <laughs> your heart. Oh, but I'm bomb. Very close <laughs> to my heart. Yeah, of course. So we've got a, a record coming out in, um, in April. So keep your ears. And we still say records. I mean, I, I will always say records, even when they're just holograms. So, yes, in April. Yeah. Very, very excited about that. We need to get you back and uh, do some music with you on the show. We love having I you love it. for any purpose. But we're especially happy to have you here for uh, Go Red for Women events. And uh, Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Thank you. A delight to see you next time in person. You take care. All right. And to learn more about the risk factors of heart disease, as well as to support the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women events, Go to our website, Huckabee.tv, for all the details. We'll connect you with links to Stephanie Quayle and her great music and a whole lot more. Keith Bilbrey, he's somewhere in that studio. I just know he is, and I bet he's going to tell us how we can finish out this show with a bang this week. Up next, the king of comedy music, Ray Stevens, is on Huckabee. For 60 years, Ray Stevens has made us laugh with hit songs like The Streak, Mississippi Squirrel Revival, and Shriners Convention. Ray's as creative and funny as ever. And to keep us laughing, Ray's released his latest recording, very appropriately titled, Ain't Nothing Funny Anymore. Please welcome the king of comedy music, Ray Stevens. Ray, we're so happy to have you back. 
I'm glad you did this album, and I'm glad you did it now because the whole world needs to laugh. You, you, you got 14 new songs on this. I'm just thinking you probably didn't have to work hard to think of some ideas because there's so many crazy people that have lost the capacity to laugh. Well, there's so many crazy people that are messing up the whole world. It's unbelievable. And uh, if, we, if you ever needed to laugh, it's got to be now. There are some major comedians, people like Jerry Seinfeld, said they're not going to go do college campuses anymore. Some comics just say they they don't even want to perform because everybody gets their feelings hurt. Ray, do you think <laughs> this album might hurt some people's feelings? Well, I sure hope not. But if it does, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I can't be responsible for everything. You believe that laughter is healing and you've honestly, probably healed more people than doctors have by giving <laughs> us something to just chuckle about. I'm, I think I'm going to call you Dr. Ray Stevens from now on, but tell me why it's important that people just get the ability to laugh. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a, what do you, what do you call, a psychiatrist, but uh, it seems natural to me that uh, somebody who can laugh is going to uh, not pull a knife on himself, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I, ju I, I just have a built-in feeling that laughter is kind of important, you know? You're doing a song on our show tonight from the album called Disorder at the Border. Disorder down the on the border, yeah. We're, we're not talking about the Tennessee and Alabama border, are we? No, I'm, I'm afraid uh, everybody knows the border we're talking about is the border between the United States and Mexico. And, well, I have a feeling, folks, go ahead. Uh, well, Tell and, us about uh, and, you know, the, the, the stories are just rife out there about uh, all the things that are going on, and it's just deplorable. It really is so ridiculous and unnecessary that... Uh, our president uh, would and vice president would allow stuff like that to happen. I mean, it's and encourage it. As a matter of fact, it seems uh, it uh, uh, makes no sense at all. I'll tell you what does make sense, and that's having Ray Stevens on our show as often as we can because we love you, and the rest of America does too. And if they don't, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> so I want our audience to get Ray Stevens' fun music, and as Ray gets ready to perform, Keith Bilbrey. He's going to just try to hold his laughter in, but he'll tell you how you can connect to Ray Stevens. For Ray Stevens ain't nothing funny anymore, as well as all his great music. Go to Huckabee.tv for links. Now, while you're there, be sure to watch his online exclusive music performance of Where Are All the 12-Year-Olds? Now, here to perform with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, it's Ray Stevens. Disorder down on the border. Yeah, troubles like we've never seen before. Oh, there's disorder down on the border. They turned our border into a revolving door. Now, I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but we're being told stuff that just don't fly, and people are taking advantage of us because Americans are kind-hearted. Sending children to overwhelm the system and 
blaming us if we dismiss them as a plot hatched in a smoke-filled room and the troubles are just getting started. Politicians using children, and for that, there's no excuse. Why, it's nothing more than a case of international child abuse. There's disorder down on the border. Yeah, troubles like we've never seen before. Oh, there's disorder down on the border. Well, let's build a wall, then don't build a wall, then don't come, then come one and all. People don't understand us, and I'm not talking about the language. Weirdos trying to change the world, telling girls they're boys and boys are girls. It's like telling us a ham and cheese is a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> well, you don't get a ham and cheese from a peanut butter jar. And you don't confuse and abuse the children. This time they've gone too far. Oh, there's disorder down on the border. Yeah, troubles like we've never seen before. Oh, there's disorder down on the border. complain about the situation they scream we're anti-immigration but that's not true we're simply honest people and we care we care about the folks in line who play by the rules yeah they deserve some consideration too and letting lawbreakers jump the line is just not fair cartels are making millions politicians are playing games and Americans are being played for fools. It's a doggone shame. There's disorder down on the border. Yeah, troubles like we've never seen before. Oh, there's disorder down on the border. Down on the border